guys, and welcome back to the Finance Now podcast. This podcast is purely for informational and educational purposes, and it's my way of sharing my knowledge, research, and opinions with you. I'm Anurag Birla, and I want to apologize for not being able to upload an episode last week. I was quite sick, quite unwell. I tried to actually record the episode, but the way my voice sounded on tape was just terrible. My nose was stuffy, sounded very nasal. Uh, so I thought this week I'd just speed through, you know, some of the big stories I kind of wanted to address last week and also talk about um, something that's a personal interest to me, the Indian airline industry and competition within it. Um the reason I want to go over last week's stuff is because obviously last week we saw a lot of important uh, macro events happen. We saw inflation data come out. We saw uh, Powell address the um, uh, the the U.S. public, and uh, you know, and this week Indian equities is obviously a massive market of interest for me. Not just because of you know my background and ethnicity, but also because of the opportunity it presents. It's, you know, one of the largest countries in the world, the second largest poised to be the largest by population. It is the fifth biggest economy. Um, and it's just a huge opportunity. So I do want to learn more about the market. And, um, you know, as I go about my research, I'm, I'm quite interested to expand beyond just the US uh, into India and hopefully into Southeast Asia as well with my move to Singapore approaching. So let, let, let me start with the macro news first. Big news, the FOMC meeting took place. And as everyone expected, uh, we saw that the Fed decided to keep rates steady. Uh, no surprise there, they skipped the rate hike this time around. But what did maybe catch people off guard was the fact that, you know, they mentioned that they're going to have two more rate hikes this year. Uh, pretty much unanimously agreed on that um, outlook. So what that does is it puts pressure on on stocks. Maybe not so much last week. Stocks sort of rebounded well, but then this week we see a lot of other countries have not stopped, not uh, skipped rate hikes. You know, we saw the UK increase their rates. Um, we saw Turkey do the same. So other economies are not necessarily following. Um, and I think the Fed are aware that you know, they, they have an opportunity here. So, um, the labor market has held up really well. So the fed know that they have room to really beat down inflation. So it seems fair that they're looking to do that quite aggressively and maybe a rate hike skip now, but, uh, there are talks about, you know, rate hike, rate hike coming in July. Uh, what's, what's been the effect on inflation? Well, you know, as we saw last week, CPI and PPI data came out. Um, and good news is that inflation definitely seems to be slowing down. Uh, the <clears throat> tightening policies have worked. Um, CPI was 4% for the year ending in May compared to 49 in April. So it, it has come away down. We are edging towards that 2%, 3% range. And, um, you know, Consumer prices rose at the slowest annual pace since March 2021, which is an incredibly positive sign. These these are encouraging signs. I mean, it's the 11th consecutive month that inflation has slowed down. So, you know, as I said, we're headed in the right direction. Tightening is working. 
PPI showed a 1.1% increase for the year ending in May compared to 2.3% in April. Big relief for consumers, you know, the soft landing looks more and more possible as we as we go on recession looks less and less likely or a big recession the recession to the magnitude that i guess we were talking about five months ago and uh you know we're technically back in a bull market i mean i would say tread with caution for sure uh things are looking more positive definitely but you know inflation is still around um it's just looking more transitory than perhaps we first may have assumed Last week, I okay, there along with the macro data, there was another uh company I wanted to talk about uh that was in the news last week because of their earnings, and that's Oracle. Uh, Oracle, a company that I think are a real dark horse in the cloud space, cloud infrastructure space, and a company that has done incredibly well. Um, in the last quarter, so last Monday, Oracle released earnings and saw its shares climb as much as 5% in after hours trading. Um, now, how did the company do in the in the fiscal fourth quarter, in their fiscal fourth quarter? Their earnings per share beat estimates, coming in at 1.67 per share adjusted versus an expected 1.58 per share. Um, revenue was 13.84 billion compared to a 13.74 billion that was expected by analysts. Revenue grew 17% year on year. Um, net income was 3.32 billion compared to 3.19 billion last year. And their top source of revenue, cloud services and license support jumped 23%. Now that's big news. Uh, revenue from cloud infrastructure was up 76% year over year. That's showing faster growth than some of the rivals, some of the big name rivals like Microsoft and Google. But that currently cloud infrastructure for Oracle remains a much smaller part of their business than the rivals. But I mean, you can't ignore the growth here. Uh, it's a huge opportunity. And, you know, I think the outlook, well, what excited analysts uh, was the guidance for the coming quarter. And I guess the outlook is is even more interesting. Revenue outlook was eight to ten percent growth uh, between between eight to ten percent versus an expected seven point eight percent. So, really, their Oracle's bottom range, bottom end of the range, is higher than the average expectation for Malnus, which is a big deal. I mean, CEO Safra Katz mentioned. Um, that she expects their gross margin in this unit to continue to expand. So becoming more and more profitable. Larry Ellison, the great Larry Ellison, who climbed up the world's richest last week. He's also the chair uh, chair and uh, technology chief of Oracle. He mentioned that Oracle will introduce a generative AI. Of course they will. Generative AI cloud service uh, tied to a partnership with a startup called Cohere. Now, Cohere may have been making the news uh, with their investment, uh, with investments coming in from Oracle and NVIDIA. Um, but yeah, Cohere has agreed to using Oracle's cloud infrastructure, uh, and it will be embedded into a bunch of Oracle's products. So again, addressing this whole AI opportunity, this using AI to sort of fuel growth in the cloud infrastructure market is kind of Oracle's name of the game here. And I think they're well poised to do so. They're a well-oiled machine and they have shown that, 
you know, their growth is not done. Uh, they Arca really seems to be an underdog in a market that's so dominated by Azure and AWS. Um, their cloud infrastructure growth is something, and you know, time will tell how the partnership with Cohere works out for them. But Larry Ellison seems very confident and upbeat about the company, which is obviously a good sign. And, you know, while their overall growth as a company has been relatively slow, this part of their business could be their growth engine for the coming years. I mean, they could have, as I said, a newly fueled growth story. Now I want to move on to, you know, some of the news I was more keen on talking about for this week, um, which is India, India markets. Uh Prime Minister Modi was in the U.S. this week, had discussions with, you know, several thought leaders, including the likes of Elon Musk and Ray Dalio. Uh, as I, you know, as I've mentioned before in this podcast, tes- Tesla is a company I like, and Elon made some strong claims that suggest he is seriously considering entering the India market, which would be a massive boost to both the Indian economy and Tesla's opportunity. I mean, Apple, for example, has shown some strong signs after entering India, uh, both in terms of manufacturing capability and sales. And I think, you know, that serves as a very encouraging sign for Elon and Tesla to do the same. It's an exciting market. It's a growing market. As I mentioned, it's the fifth largest economy in the world and about to be the largest population in the world. So, you know, it's as an investor, it's difficult to ignore, especially if you're based in Asia. It's difficult to ignore. And I would say it's, it's a bit silly to ignore. Um, you know, they're obviously looking for a lot of foreign investment. They're obviously looking for a lot of partnership opportunities with American, big American companies. And, you know, consumerism in India is no less than what you would expect in the West. So um, it is a huge opportunity. And within that market, I actually wanted to talk about the airline industry, which has had some big recent news flow around it. Historically speaking, uh, Air India has been India's national carrier. It it still is, but Air India was previously owned by the government and then privatized in 2022 when it was bought over by Tata. It's seen a lot of changes and it has been struggling off late. The reputation and service of the company has gone incredibly downhill. I guess they used to get away with it because they were a government entity, but now that they're private, uh, there's far less tolerance. Um, And if we look at the domestic airline market in India, Indigo, uh, which is a publicly traded company, has been leading that race and remain ahead by a country mile. I mean, the market share in the domestic airline industry for May 2023 was Indigo sits at number one position with about 61.4%. Second is Vistara, 9%. And third is Air India, 8.9%. So Vistara is owned by uh, Tata as well. And Air India is also now owned by Tata. So they're expected to merge soon, um, but even a combined market share is not expected to exceed 20%. I mean, it makes about 18. <clears throat> um, Air India leads the international operations, of course, uh, as a national carrier, but the difference is not as drastic. Um, I mean, the total Air India group, which includes Air India, Air India Express, Vistara, Air Asia India, um, is about 23%, but 
market share and indigo is roughly at 15 or 16 percent so so the difference between the two players in the domestic market is far far larger than the difference between the two players in the international market um indigo is a well-oiled machine it's the largest airline by both market share and fleet size um they also have a larger fleet than air india they did not feature in the top four list of airlines that had the most complaints while air india did which is you know huge i mean it's it's a service related business it's it's a tough business it's a ruthless business and your service you're judged by service i mean we look at the best airlines in the world we look at emirates we look at the middle eastern airlines qatar airways and i guess the number one from a consumer's perspective the number one thing we talk about is how amazing our experience was how great the service was and you know i guess these are important claims like complaints are a big deal and for air india to feature in the top four uh companies that had the most complaints they sat uh, comfortably at third and for indigo to not be there is also very telling of how the companies are run you know they've maintained such a huge amount of dominance domestically and in such a competitive industry uh, the amount of quality of service that they've produced has just been exceptional and at the price that they've done that is also exceptional so it has been a great company to own uh i haven't done i guess enough research to see whether it's one i would like to own right now but i know the company has done very very well over the last decade and what the big story from last week was was that air in india indigo sorry beat air india in closing the largest aviation deal in history now a few months ago air india ordered 470 aircrafts from boeing and airbus and that was referred to at that time as the mother of all aviation deals indigo has just placed an order of 500 a320 aircrafts from airbus upping the game now that is the biggest single purchase agreement in commercial aviation history and this deal sees indigo now have 1330 aircrafts on order from airbus making it the largest a320 customer in the world now the a320 uh to be very very clear is the narrow body aircraft mainly for short distance flights domestic flights but another order is expected for wide body aircrafts typically used for the longer haul international flights now with with this uh with, with this order i mean competition is clearly heating up Air India's order was more focused on wide-body aircrafts in attempts to enhance international operations, while Indigo was the opposite. It was different. You know, obviously Air India are looking and attempting to replicate the success that Indigo has had, and both, I think, are planning to launch their frequent flyer program. I will say, for the frequent frequent flyer program, Air India are really well positioned um they have if i mean there are talks for them to merge uh integrate you know air india and vistara and there are talks for them to merge and integrate air india express and air asia india as uh you know their their low-cost carrier and i guess with the frequent flower program that surrounds all of it air india will be well poised to kind of uh you know capitalize on on, on that uh, business model 
But Indigo's wide body aircraft order is their way of also signaling to Air India that, hey, um, we know we have a lead in the domestic market, but when we look at the international market, we're coming after you. And I think it's big in terms of understanding what this means for competition. As I mentioned, the integration in Air India will be a big, big part of um, their operations. They'll streamline their business and provide a mix of low-cost carriers and international operations. And, you know, that will give Indigo a run for its money. Overall, the airline industry, India is expected to grow. Um, its its domestic passenger traffic is expected to grow around 8 to 13% in the current fiscal year, while international traffic is expected to grow between 10 to 15% um, this current fiscal year. I mean, after COVID, I think everyone's been traveling a lot more. That's not just an India story. That's a global story. And... Um, you know, it's it's no surprise to me that, uh, you know, people will be moving in and out of the country. Um, and I guess with the growing economy, a lot more business trips to happen as well. Market is incredibly cutthroat, though. I think as of all the players, only Indigo has managed to be profitable consistently. Most of the others actually have lost money in the uh, Indian airline industry. Overall, return on capital for the industry has been negative. And that's not expected to change anytime soon, but seeing how this competition heats up will be exciting. You know, as I mentioned, the post-pandemic bounce back has been great. It's reaching new records domestically. It's now the third largest domestic aviation sector globally, having just overtaken Japan. And the overall aviation market is one of the fastest growing. New airports have come into play, more investment by into the industry and infrastructure from both the private sector and the government. Um, you know, it makes it poised to become one of the largest aviation markets in the world within the next 10 years. And it's definitely an industry to look out for within um, the India market as a whole. You know, I I am quite upbeat and bullish on on the Indian market. And this is not coming from a place of bias. It's really coming from a place of just trying to grasp what the opportunity actually entails. I would say the same for Indonesia. I would say the same for Southeast Asia. But yes, I mean, in this podcast, I would like to expand some of my knowledge from just the US to covering, you know, some other countries of interest and growth. And, um, you know, hopefully, at some stage talking both about the public and private sector. Uh, well, that kind of wraps it up for, for this episode. I hope you enjoyed. And if you did make it this far, and if you did find it interesting, I thank you for listening. Once again, I'm Anurag Birla, and this is Finance Now.